Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. I'm John Pophorts, the editor of Commentary with me as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Uh, just a quick note on COVID, and then we're going to move on. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about how we were baffled and fascinated and did a lot of analyzing about why the the uh, the ending of the Omicron surge and the precipitous decline in numbers in New York, now the decline numbers is around 97%, uh, and, uh, and, and the possible meaning of it that this might really constitute the end of the pandemic period uh, was not being covered by the mainstream media. Um, and we have uh, perfect evidence of that on the New York Times' website and its paper today. What is its big story? Its big story isn't uh, the COVID, you know, Omicron surges over. That is not the story. The story is U.S. has har- far higher COVID death rate than other wealthy countries. Second story, Biden promised 500 million free COVID tests. Then he had to find them. Nobody needs those 500 million free COVID tests once the Omicron surge is gone, which is the story. But guess what? It's not the story because they don't want to cover that story. They want to cover the, you know, uh, monstrous horror of what is the point of a story about the U.S. having a far higher COVID death rate? It is, of course, to trumpet our lower vaccination numbers than than other countries. Um, If that is, in fact, the reason. Uh, there are multifarious reasons why it would be the case that the United States would have a higher cumulative death toll uh, than, you know, not cumulative and also in percentage terms that that do not involve vaccination alone or mitigation measures alone. All of that is. Uh, well, uh, we're unhealthier as a population. Right. We're overweight. We have all kinds of comorbidities as a, as a speaking generally in the American population. We're a less healthy country to begin with. So obviously the pandemic has taken its toll. Those factors are, are important. And when right. considering why our right. death toll is higher. And by the way, that, that is a very interesting and long range subject um, that is, is well worth exploring, but it's not about COVID. <laughs> no, uh, the idea you get about COVID coverage is everybody's just going along but uh, happily in their lives. And then, and then out of the blue comes this lightning bolt of COVID and then they die. And as you're basically saying, that is, it's a more flavored story than that, that uh, prior behaviors and prior uh, susceptibilities and all of that play a role in why the United States has been hit so hard. And the question is, what, what, if anything, are Americans going to do in the wake of COVID to address some of these problems um, and uh, make themselves healthier so that they are less susceptible to being hit by something that will that will do damage to them based on the prior damage that they have done to themselves. But that is not that is not the point of these stories. The point of these stories is to talk about how there are people among us who are bad. They are bad, and they are giving us a far higher COVID death rate than other countries. This is the shame of our country, and and that would our be tests. Yeah, and that would be the story. By the way if the U.S. had far lower death rates than other countries, because then it would be about how the bad people among us are uh, hoarding vaccines and how we're not getting it out to the rest of the world that needs it. Right. 
anyway, I didn't want to, I just wanted to go there just to say, I told you so, or we told you so. And, uh, you know, rarely, rarely is one's prediction, you know, so immediately, um, affirmed by, by the, by those you, you predict about. So um, oh, can I just I add, say, we, I think, we have yes. another, we have another prediction that did take a little longer to come to fruition, but that was during the summer of black lives matter. We sat here on this podcast multiple times going, where is all this money going? And so this week we have a big story and, and the conservative press has been looking into this for quite some time. A couple of reporters in general have, have kind of had this as their de facto beat. Finally, we get the mainstream New York magazine going, where is all the money going? And I just have to say that was another one of those stories we've talked about these uh, recently where the conservative side of the aisle has been talking about this, raising these points and, and asking these questions for some time. And now it's it's nice to see people coming along with us for the ride and looking into these issues. Uh, the author of that story uh, went on Twitter this morning to complain that as the son of a of a single black mother, um, the last thing he ever expected to be attacked for was being, you know, uh, uh, a, ra- <laughs> a racist uh, for for, uh, you know, doing reporting on something. Um, and that, of course, is where these things, you know, tend to go. So, um, well, the um, story points out the reason it's it's. Uh particularly objectionable, whatever his race to argue this, is that the point of the story is to show that this money was promised to help people at the local level in communities where they desperately need money to help organize and to do the kinds of things that they need to do. And what we've seen instead is Patrice Cullors and and other leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement using this, uh, at least allegedly, in part for their own, you know, grift, you know, buying very expensive real estate, you know, uh, self-dealing to friends and family members with, you know, who set up kind of shells of nonprofits, which then, you know, funnel cash through them. So yeah, it's, it's very questionable. If you're, if you're a local activist in Black Lives Matter, who needs help from a national organization, and you're watching Patrice Cullors buy, you know, mansions in Malibu, yeah, you should be mad. It's, it's, it's actually harming the people that the organization claims to represent. Right. Um, I mean, the numbers are staggering, Abe. I think you 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 cite them in uh, in your in your in your piece. Um, you know, this is a counter revolution, or yes, there is a counter revolution. Um, is it twelve billion dollars, twenty billion dollars, something? It, it depends how you break it down. But there was a there was an initial pledge um, on the part of corporations that was in the tens of billions, or maybe the hundreds of. Billions. I don't even remember because the numbers are they're they're so astronomical that you lose track. Right. Um, and then, yeah, they all, but, you know, so much, so much of this goes to um, groups that are explicitly anti-police, not they don't want to reform the police. They want they want to end policing. They want to end uh, uh, ICE. They want to they want to put an end to prisons entirely. You know, oh, uh, this has been one of the hardest stories I've ever done. Writes Sean Kevin Campbell as a black man raised by a single black mother who has had police guns trained on. Him, I never expected the insinuation that I was racist and sexist. Then I worked on this piece with New York Times, Matt, with uh, New York Magazine. It's my job to get as close to the truth as I can. This means asking hard questions and questioning my assumptions. Here I found serious questions about the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation's financing. A few within the foundation got corporate sponsorships, while some local leaders like Tory Johnson faced homelessness. Last year, Johnson resisted white supremacy as the foundation's executive director hosted an online dance event sponsored by UGG. That's the boots, right? The expensive boots. By the foundation's account, it raised at least 90 million in 2020 with 60 million beginning in 2021. It's unclear who's leading the organization. The executive director stepped down and her replacements couldn't come to terms for their roles. 
Donors give because they believe in a mission with tens of millions and being the envy of any local leader who wishes they had a fraction of what is in reserve. The BLM network chose not to answer even my basic questions on financing and operations. My research and interviews with activists suggest that the problems presented in my story have been building for years. People have been afraid to speak out in fear of the alt-right, but for some, the unanswered questions are becoming too much. One of my sources told me that we can be honest and say the movement is imperfect. Healthy communities acknowledge their imperfections and grow uh, and all of that. So um, uh, what is uh, interesting about this is that uh, some of the first skeptical reporting on Black Lives Matter it wasn't about finances and money. It was about anti-Semitism, right? It was uh, tablets. Is it Armin Rosen? I'm, I'm trying to remember who who wrote the tablet report on on Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism and this fight inside both the Women's March and Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism. And, um, you know, this then dovetails into the conversation that has been going on for the last uh, 36 hours, I guess, or longer, about Whoopi Goldberg's um, bizarre uh, uh, insistence both on The View and then on Stephen Colbert's show uh, which she went on uh, theoretically to clean up her mess and then made more of a mess um, that uh, the Holocaust wasn't about race. Uh, we talked about this a little yesterday, but uh, it, it's it, it's a pretty striking moment. Um, the Holocaust wasn't about race. It was basically a white-on-white -white crime. And as she said to Stephen Colbert, uh, I think of race as something I can see. And so, you know, it was it was work for the Nazis to figure out who the Jews were uh, you know, because they couldn't see them as easily as, say, a white person can see a black person. And therefore, this wasn't about race, the crime committed by a regime that called itself the master race and referred to everybody else on Earth as being part of four or five different races, Jews being part of a subhuman Asiatic race, according to the Nazis, and therefore um, deserving of extermination on the grounds that they were subhuman, more like insects than anything else, and that their 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 presence on on Earth, um, you know, the Earth would be better uh, without their existence entirely. Um, that was a that was a if race is a is a conceit or a social construct, which it kind of is. Um, then obviously the Nazis were the ultimate art creators of, of, of race as a social construct and then used it as a weapon of extermination. So I have a piece in the New York Post today in which I uh, point out that um, Whoopi Goldberg's name is, of course, not Whoopi Goldberg. Her name is Karen Johnson. And uh, in the early 1980s, when she was coming up as a, as a kind of performance artist, monologist performer, uh, she chose the stage name Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, she told the New York Times in 1984 that uh, the Whoopi was because of a uh, because of a Whoopi cushion and cushion. She was she she was called Whoopi Cushion, K-U-S-H-I-O-N. And then her mother, for some reason, suggested that that cushion wasn't good and she should be Goldberg instead of cushion. And then over the years, she has spun many different versions of the story. She told the Jewish Chronicle in London in 2011 that she was Jewish and that, uh, you know, she didn't pray and she wasn't, but she was very Jewish. And her uh, mother said that her name w w wasn't Jewish enough, her name being Johnson, her mother being married uh, uh, to a clergyman named Johnson. Uh, she was raised Catholic. So I just, I, I put out the question of why would Karen Johnson, Black performer, 
in the early 1980s want to name herself Whoopi Goldberg? Well, it's a dollop. It was an interesting dollop, an effort to heighten her uh, partness, right? That the uh, and and be hip in a different kind of way. So she was a so she was a hip black monologist, you know, sort of like downtown performance artist. And she would take on this very peculiar name as a way of adding a frisson of outsiderism. So she was not only black, she would not only have this weird first, you know, whoopee cushion name, but her last name would be Goldberg. And then you look at her and she had dreadlocks and, you know, dark skin. And wasn't that interesting? She was doubling, sort of doubling down on her outsiderness because even in the 1980s, Jews, whatever they were and however accepted they were in the United States and all that, were still kind of outs. They were, they were not the inside of the inside. They were still a people apart. And it was still understood 35 years after the Holocaust had ended that Jews were a people apart in part because they had been targeted for extermination in a way that no other people ever had been targeted for extermination in the history of mankind. Um, flash forward 40 years and the new Whoopi Goldberg, a young Whoopi Goldberg is never going to take on the word Goldberg. It's not going to take on the name Goldberg because that's not what Jew means anymore to liberals, leftists, mushy people like that. Jew now means white. Jew not only means white, it means white privilege. It means bad. It means Israel. It means, you know, it means people that you work with in the entertainment industry whom you don't like and all of that. And uh, and I just think this is sociologically a very interesting thing because it kind of explains the basis of the new anti-Semitism, which I, th I think she is a probably mostly unconscious representative. That is to say, there's no sense in thinking about Jews as anything other than just really, really, really successful white people. In fact, more successful than ordinary run-of-the-mill white people, and therefore they are not deserving of any kind of, I wouldn't even say special consideration, but at least a historical understanding uh, because, um, you know, uh, mistreated people all have dark skin tones. Well, I will make my final point, which is that hundreds of thousands of Jews in Israel have dark skin tones, uh, ranging from the Falashas who are deep black to Tunisians and Moroccans and others. Um, who are very swarthy and very brown and don't look like white people like European Jews supposedly look like white people. Not that it was hard for the Germans to figure out who the Jews were, by the way. That's also part of the evil point that she seems to make. So they, had to, you know, they had to do some work to figure out who was a Jew and who wasn't a Jew. No, they didn't because uh, Jews do have certain kind of physiognomic characteristics, I'm afraid, uh, in part because Jews are a homogeneous, internalized people who have been, you know, living, who have not been uh, in converting. People don't come, you know, haven't joined Judaism over the last two millennia, hardly at all. And so they are working off a, off a, off a small genetic base. And Jews do tend to have certain types of features that make them somewhat recognizable if you were obsessed with that kind of thing, as a lot of Jews are, um, by the way, about, about each other. And, um, and, you know, uh, Jews that Whoopi Goldberg doesn't know, except when she sees them on, you know, as she's driving by in her limousine, often wear different clothes. They have fringed garments under their shirts. They wear, they wear head toppings called kipotriomalkas when they're outside. They don't eat in the same restaurants you do. They don't celebrate the same Sabbath you do. 
and they and they and they function with entirely different religious practices. So, um, uh, it, it's an interesting moment because this is an assault on the very idea of what it is to be Jewish and what the meaning of Jewishness is, and 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 it dovetails with this idea that a race is an essential, not that it's mutable, uh, and that uh, only black people get to claim that they have been victims of racism because you can see them. And I guess maybe Latinos too, or even Asians, although apparently you're not allowed to think this about Asians because then, then you might have to let them uh, uh, do better, you know, have, have places in schools. You so you're approaching this as a teachable moment, which, and there's a lot to teach, but they've taken that away from you because of this reaction. This has been the usual suspects have bandied this about as though it's just more another example of right-wing cancel culture dovetailing with an effort by a teeny weeny school board in a teeny town you can barely see from space as part of the scourge of right-wing cancel culture. The right is not involved here. The right didn't suspend Whoopi Goldberg. They don't control ABC. The right isn't. No, we haven't even mentioned that she got suspended. suspended. That's right. Yeah, she got suspended for two weeks from the view last night. Yeah. I haven't seen any intellectual uh, people on the right and or, or even the, you know, the sort of the, uh, the people who are just agitators and, you know, their rules sort of types calling for this. In fact, they've been saying that there's no reason to suspend her. Their rules are dumb in the first place. They shouldn't abide by them. This isn't something that does, she should have a microphone taken away from her. She should be educated on the subject and everybody else should be too. That has been the right's position as I view it. And that opportunity has been stolen from us by this network who just ushered out a really long shepherd's crook and ripped her off stage to make the moment go away. But there is a reason to suspend her. It's to help her because it puts a false and satisfying resolution on this. And then it'll be two weeks later and then it's over. Um, It is the worst. It is the worst way to get out of these situations. She should be out there. She should take the slings and arrows. This should be discussed. And now instead it comes to this nonsensical close that, that no one is satisfied uh, except her and her agent and, and she'll be all right. And, you know, I agree with you, John, that it's, that it's, she's sort of an unwitting um, uh, vehicle for, for anti-Semitism. But I just want to make a point about that anti-Semitism. There's, there, there's, a, there's another aspect of the idea of Jews being white now, um, which is that historically Jews are always the scary thing that, that, that is being demonized in a society, right? So if there's a red scare, the Jews are commies. If everyone's worried that we're going to go to war, the Jews are going to get us into war. And right now, everything is about white privilege, the evils of whiteness, and that. So Jews are now white. And that is you a missed, part uh, of this. You missed uh, cyclical recessions. Sure, absolutely they, they right. Have a lot to do with but those this, this, yep, whiteness, yep. this whiteness point is really important because one of the things that has been culturally forced down this country's throat for the last few years and in, totally embraced by the left is the idea of white, as, as Abe says, white privilege and more importantly, white supremacy, right? So if you look at all the books written about this, books like White Fragility, all the anti-racism books, they frequently have lists that if you have studied history, and particularly if you study the history of anti-Semitism, are extremely chilling because they tend to list, and I think it was White Fragility that did this, it listed all the 10 richest Americans, 100% white, 10 richest you know, in Congress, 90% white. It has a list 
of power and money, and it tells you the percentage that is white. And because Jews are now considered white, um, it's very chilling because those are the exact kinds of lists that the Nazis and other anti-Semites have long uh, uh, used to justify repression. And I, I, the other point about the Whoopi Goldberg thing is that, I mean, she probably does need some educating because one of the things she said that uh, bizarre things on Colbert was, well, you know, if I'm standing on a corner with my Jewish friend and the, the Ku Klux Klan is coming after us, I mean, they won't chase my Jewish friend. They'll, you know, they'll chase me. And I'm thinking, does she not know how much the KKK hated the Jews? Like it was, this is not, it's very strange, but I do think she was genuinely shocked that people don't share her views. So the question I have is how many people, particularly the African-American community, do see race that way? It's like, my skin is dark, ergo, the world is much tougher for me. Um, yeah, maybe you had some oppression 50 years ago, but you know, it's still worse for me. And you know, there's long, we know there's a long history of tension and trouble and anti-Semitism uh, with the African-American community. I live in Washington, DC. I see it a lot. Uh, we just had tons of swastikas sprayed all over Union Station last week, a day after Holocaust Memorial Day. It is a problem in the African-American community. She did not address that at all. Well, she, I mean, she wasn't addressing anything, right? right? She was just sitting around a table. That's the whole idea of the view. Like it's a coffee clutch. And she was like, you know, let's talk Turkey. The Holocaust wasn't about race. I mean, that's what I mean when I say that she's unwitting, because what she did was reveal a sort of set of, I, you know, of prejudices or ideas that are totally half-baked and ill-formed. That's the whole premise of the show. Right. right. I know. The exploration of half-baked extemporaneous right. thoughts. That right. Can occasionally right. get so you then, into trouble. So if you so want to have the, that kind of a format, commit yeah. to it or don't have the format. Yeah, look, I don't care. Uh, look, I, I would I she can be suspended or not suspended. The view can run or be thrown in the garbage can. It's of no it's of no consequence to me. You're right that she's basically being protected from herself for a couple of weeks to cool things down. ABC is trying to cool things down so that two weeks from now, there'll be 25 other controversies and people won't even remember that this was the controversy with Whoopi Goldberg. So the issue really is, what does it reveal? Not not what are the specifics? And, you know, uh, one of the jokes or one of the horror things is that, of course, Whoopi Goldberg immediately in an effort to clean cleanse herself goes to Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the ADL, who then says, I accept her apology and, you know, she's always been a friend and blah, 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 blah. And then he kind of cleanses her a little bit, right? And sort of uh, she, he goes on the show and then he says things like, well, you know, if you really want to talk about anti-Semitism, you should hire a Jewish host. And then you could talk about anti-Semitism every day because I know you have an open spot. Ah, ha, 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 right? Which is nice because, you know, Megan McCain, who was the host who quit, like is a is a real is a tribune against anti-Semitism. And I didn't hear him defending her ever. But besides that, she goes and cleanses her while two weeks ago, the Anti-Defamation League taken over by him, you know, after the long term uh, as executive director of Abe Foxman. And he has been moving it in this unabashedly progressive direction such that a new person who's there working on outreach to other minority groups, it just so happens that as that person joins, the ADL changes its definition of racism in its FAQs, you know, on its list. Like, what is the definition of racism according to the Anti-Defamation League? It is now, quote, the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. 
This is a Jewish defense organization, an organization that was created in the wake of the lynching of Leo Frank in 1913 in Atlanta to combat efforts to discriminate against legally, socially, politically, religiously, and culturally against Jewish people. Those those attacks and those acts of discrimination racially based in the sense that uh, it is uh, it, it is an attack on a homogeneous group of people who are other than the minority group majority group and the ADL just redefined racism away from Jews the ADL here's what it used to read its definition racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics. Racial separatism is the belief most of the time based on racism that different races should remain segregated and apart from one another. That is a clinical proper definition of what racism is. Not racism is about white people uh, privileging themselves the mar- and, and, and the oppression of people of color. Because, again, the most systematic event in the history of racism was the Holocaust, which was not about color, as Whoopi Goldberg explains, because color is not the point. (laughs) You know, uh, Jews are neither white nor not white. Jews are white, they're brown, they're green, they're, they're gray, they're blue. They, they were not targeted because of their skin color, because no, race, isn't, race as a social construct isn't only about skin color. That is her ignorance, foolishness, and stupidity speaking, but it represents a new common view. It's a common view now that race means black, maybe Latino a little bit, maybe. Well, it also forces what we uh, m- people of mixed race to choose a side and they and it's forcing them to choose it at ever younger ages when this stuff infects, you know, education, which is why a lot of parents object to the critical race theory stuff. So if you're of mixed race, which an increasing number of Americans are, which actually some of us, myself included, think is a very good sign for this, what this country should and is about. Um, they're forced to sort of reject their whiteness, which you do see a, a lot of our more radical race theorists are themselves half white. It's like, I deliberately reject this. I'm going to fully identify as only one race or the other. That's also bad. Like, why can we, the, the ideas that she's promulgating by saying, if I have dark skin, I believe certain things that I'm treated a certain way. That's, you know, sort of simplistic, but but understandable. But it also then, if we want to truly uh, open democratic multiracial society, which has always been, I think, the goal in the in the U.S., then it denies people the ability to be multiracial in that same way. And that's, that's recent. Like that, actually, the critical race theory stuff has made that an issue for people who otherwise didn't have to think about that. It was like, oh yeah, I have you know relatives of all different colors, and I'm a mix of them all. That is a that is a very important point, and um, and it's something well worth thinking we're not solving anything here and i think noah's right and noah you you make an important point that um somehow the fact that she's been suspended is somehow going to get blamed on the right and the what goes on on the view you already see it from the usual suspects that this is just more right-wing cancel culture i haven't seen the right as a part of this at all as a matter of fact i've seen a lot of them very vocally saying this is stupid stop taking microphones away from people for exploring half-baked thoughts when we can actually fully bake them and make some progress 
you know, I don't even know if we can make progress. I don't even care about making progress. I think oh, I that what we have here is an idea that, um, but I mean, this is this is a this is a problem with corporate communications in general now, which is uh, something happens, shut it down, deny it oxygen. There's a Whoopi Goldberg story. Just make sure she doesn't stoke it. Just make sure she doesn't stoke it because if we can kill it, if we can cut the oxygen off to it, then the fire will die down. We'll give it two weeks. She'll come back. Well, that's classic corporate fire. risk. That's classic corporate risk aversion. Sure. Yes. But the reason right. why yeah. the right isn't yeah. saying don't cancel her is because this is a perfect illustration of the stupid, bigoted philosophy that is intersectionality. Why would you want to stop a conversation around how dumb this idea is, how it renders its adherence callous and ignorant? And, and, you know, stigmatize it. That's the opportunity that we have here. And that's why I, I don't think anybody's articulated it in this sense. I'm articulating it this way, that this is a chance for us to articulate a view that we believe to be right uh, with an avatar who is, who is saying she's wrong, who everybody agrees is wrong. But why is she wrong? And how did she get wrong? That's the opportunity that we've been presented with here. And yeah, I don't think ABC News is saying, well, we have to protect this ideological outlook. They're trying to cover their butts and protect their fiduciary uh, responsibilities to their investors. That's just corporate America. But in the ideological spectrum, the balance on the ledger is for keeping her in that seat across the board. Right. Well, you know, we also, I don't know. I mean, we also sit here and we think about celebrities and what celebrities say and everything in this country is governed. Every political movement is ballasted or bolstered by stupid things celebrities say. Um, the weird thing about Whoopi Goldberg's role on The View and her place on The View uh, as her kind of acting career dried up and she found herself in this other you know, position um, is that she's supposed to be like a wise man. She's like a wise woman. She's like, an, you know, she's uh, she's in her mid 60s and uh, uh, she sits uh, Buddha like um, and kind of uh, calmly, unlike a lot of the other people on The View who are all, you know, like screaming at each other and, 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 and bananas. And she kind of utter she oracularly utters pronouncements. And uh, and so uh, her role is as the grown up. She is, you know, what Barbara Walters was when the show started or something. She is kind of like the she will sort of bring it back to the center and, you know, sort of bring it, br bring the bring the heat down and calm everybody down and speak in her completely argle babble, new age, you know, inconsistent sentence by sentence nonsense. Um, that's also what's been exposed, um, is this kind of the, her, her, her part, the part she is playing on the show, because she is a ignorant, wacko, know nothing, uh, you know, um, has been, uh, who was, you know, sort of found, you know, a second life, you know, like mouthing off to whoever is home at 11 AM to watch this, you know, embarrassing sh show. Um, but these things move, I don't know, they sort of move mountains, you know, we're a very unserious country and we're dominated by the most unserious, uh, you know, around us. And, and, uh, that's why these are teachable moments. They're teachable moments in, in a weird way, because in, instead of being sort of serious discussions of important topics, we get these moments where 
some kind of underbelly is revealed, you know, or some kind of, um, you know, the, the fact that an opinion that you don't really know is being large, you know, is being commonly believed in comes out of the mouth of some, you know, uh, moron celebrity. You go, hmm, where is this coming from? How many people believe this? You know, uh, do a lot of people believe this? And if they do, you know, what, what is it? What is it portend? Um, let me step back for a minute and talk to you about our sponsors today. Um, you know, Bowling Brand Sheets, can't say enough about them. Soft, made to a higher standard, 100% organic cotton, um, you know, eth- produced ethically, thoughtful attention to every detail, fair price, 30-day risk-free trial. So even if you uh, are happy with the fair price, but you don't like the sheets, you can return them with free shipping. Um, they're not too hot. They're not too cool. They're buttery, soft, lightweight, organic cotton, classic sateen weave for sheets that get softer over time. Uh, and they focus on quality over quantity. You're not going to hear about their thread count. Thread counts a nonsense number. More isn't always better. They use hundred percent sustainable raw materials, uh, softest organic sheets on the market, get better with every wash and comfort. Isn't their only standard. They are trying to make them in the right way so that you don't feel guilty about sleeping on them. No one wants to cut corners on what's important. Few things matter more than a good night's rest. That's why we suggest you look at that bowl and branch 30 day risk-free trial with free shipping and returns, get 15% off your first set of sheets. The best you've ever felt when you use promo code commentary checkout, that's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code commentary. And let's talk about Wealthfront because it's 2022. Uh, it's time to build your portfolio, protect yourself on taxes, and 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 try to explore the possibilities of investing in new markets. And Wealthfront.com can help you do that. You can start investing in no time with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make it your own with topics, things, products that you care about, like socially responsible funds, technology, crypto trust, hundreds of other investments. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. If you don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill, let Wealthfront help you do that. Not sure how to rebalance your portfolio? Let Wealthfront help you do that automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $28 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. The best part, their product is so simple yet powerful. It has a 4.9 out of 5 star rating in the Apple App Store. So to start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash commentary. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-N-T dot com slash commentary to start building your wealth. Go to Wealthfront.com slash commentary to get started today. Okay, what are we talking about now? We could update in, in the cancel culture vein. We could update what the what happened yesterday with the Ilya Shapiro Georgetown University case, which is that they had a meeting with the dean and the the Black Law Students Association, uh, according to some uh, reports from National Review Online, were demanding uh, reparations in the form of free meals and also a space where they could go cry if need be during classes. Um, and I, it doesn't sound like the campaign to get him removed has died down at all. Um, yeah, they get a crying room. Um, by the way, you know, it's important to note that we're talking now about law students. We're not talking about undergraduates, you know, people who've just 
you know, left their parents' home and they're, you know, in college for the first time and they're still very immature and all of that. We're talking about people who are at, you know, at, at the youngest, 22 or 23. And of course, we know a lot of people now go off and do other stuff before they go on to graduate school in a way that was not true when I was in college and and, and around that age. Um, and so I don't know, you know, um, 25 year olds need a crying room. Like, you know, they, they can't just go to the stairwell. Um, the Jews who work on the view should demand a crying room. <laughs> uh, yeah. Crying room and reparations in the form of meals. They feel unsafe. They feel so unsafe. But there was it was a perfect example of what not to do as an administrator and why this problem continues and will continue to happen until some of the adults in the room, even though they're all adults, the the real adult, the official adult in the room caves. He was just pandering to every single overblown claim and emotional outburst as if he was dealing with toddlers, which emotionally he kind of was. So he, he needs to be the stern parent in that room. And instead it was like, oh, I understand. I share your concerns. I mean, these are people who have who are supposed to be able to get in front of a judge and argue a jury very difficult cases involving extremely uh terrible things that might happen one human being might do to another and they can't sit there and have a reasonable discussion about what happened without you know getting meals catered in crying rooms i mean it is it's sad <laughs> but also there was like five people in that room like it's not like this we're talking about a an all hands meeting here where everybody was invested there were like five people there Right. Look, but I they have outsized power, though, obviously, if the they, administration, as that video demonstrates, they are lent outsized power. They are granted outsized power by the people who actually have institutional authority. Um, at a professional training school, which is what a law school is, right? It's not an academic institution, precisely, even though it's governed by the rule. It should be governed by the rules of academic freedom and all that. They are providing professional training to people in an elite setting who will then go out and either do what you're talking about, Christine, which is, you know, go argue cases in front of a judge or they'll write briefs or they'll go work for, you know, they'll go work in the department, you know, in government departments, figuring out legal stuff, or they won't go into the law at all. They'll just brandish their degree. Like the, you know, like the scarecrow, um, you know, with his degree uh, showing that he doesn't have any more brain than anybody else, but he has a diploma. This is a professional training school. And this guy talked to them, like he was talking to kindergartners and uh, aside from it being condescending and nauseating uh, it, 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 it shows the degree to which uh, it is every man for himself now, by which I mean that guy, Trenter, the, isn't that, is that his name? The, the law school Dean Triantor. I mean, I, I can't quite remember what it is. Um, he's basically like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm not Ilya. He's bad. Look, don't look at him. Here, I, here. Let me give you some food. Uh, you want a crying room? I'll think about a crying room. Oh, you're so. I really appreciate were... your. I really appreciate. It's like, who are you? Like you're, you're what you know. You're not. It's like uh, he's not Kingsfield. You know, he's not John Houseman saying you come here with a brain full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. He's saying. Let me be, you know, it's the classic, uh, you know, I don't have to outrun the bear. I only have to outrun you. Go eat Ilya. Eat but they Ilya. Also, 
But that was the, that was why him caving even on Ilya is a problem, because you could see from what some of these uh, students were saying, they started questioning the very center that Ilya was hired to be part of. It's like, why did you even start this center? I mean, it's a bunch of crazy right wingers. This is really bad. We don't want this center here. So this is the, you know, getting Ilya fired would be a victory. But their larger goal is to get rid of any sort of ideological diversity on campus. And I will say uh, Matt Stoller, who who is a uh, works for American Economic Liberties Project, I think, or something, had a great observation. He said the Georgetown situation, the Joe Rogan situation, the Whoopi Goldberg situation, like the entire world seems to want to run everything like a human resources department. And that I thought was a very astute observation. It's like these extremely cautious, very rules bound, um, uh, very stifling kinds of uh, approaches to uh, free free expression and and debate. But But they're not that rules bound, if you think about it, because why why is the why do the words human resources department why have they now they used to be like oh it's hr you know they're going to come to me i'm going to have to fill out another form they're going to say i have to you know they're going to ask me to do 100% participation in the united way again you know i'm going to have to do this and that. that's not what it is now like what you hear the hr department is on the phone with you and you're filled with fear why well we got a report Someone's complained that you have shown insufficient. Da, 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 da. We and we really we need to do an investigation. It turned. It went from this anodyne, banal, you know, Patty Simcox cheerleader, you know, student government. On the other hand, they would also be helpful, like if you needed to know how to fill out a, a healthcare form or you know figure out when you could go on vacation and stuff like that. Now they are the front. They are the leading edge of the totalitarian want to be totalitarian culture. And so that's not rules bound that the, those rules are written in each case to favor both the company and the act and the accuser and, and, and leave the defended terrified alone. And, you know, in a place where his only or her only possible remedy is to like throw herself on the mercy of the court. And then by the way, get fired because there is no mercy admit anything and you're out don't admit anything and you're out yeah, or you're you know or there's going to be some investigation that will mean that you will not sleep for another year and then you know and then you'll probably have to leave anyway so um but the whole point about the bear and the i only have to you know outrun Ilya and you can eat Ilya is the bear doesn't stop and you know, the, the hope you have in a circumstance like this is that the bear doesn't stop. That's the odd part. Like, if this is the way it's going to be, then let the bear run free and eat him eventually. Because the only way that this is ever going to stop is when, is not through the courage of people facing it down. That's where I, I, I it is when the idea is, you know, we have to go kill Stalin because otherwise Stalin is going to kill us. You know, we, we, <laughs> there, there's no way out of this except the decapitation of the revolutionary movement in some fashion or other, because everyone isn't, you know, and so let, let, let it, let it run loose. If Ilya Shapiro is going to end up fired, then by all means, let's see how long that Dean lasts. And hopefully he won't. And hopefully he will he will suffer the same consequences that he decided he it was fine for him for somebody else to suffer unjustly so that he could save his own skin. 
I have something to end on, please, which just moves on a little bit from the cancel culture stuff <clears throat> to, you know, trite punditry and politics. Um, <clears throat> the White House yesterday on background talking to reporters, warning them ahead of uh, Friday's jobs numbers. Every the first Friday of the month, you get the jobs numbers from the last month. And this Friday is going to be bad. White House is saying these job numbers are going to be terrible. But don't worry about it because it's all artificial. It's just it's Omicron. It's slowing and hiring. It's how the BLS, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, calculates this sort of thing. So they're going to count temporary layoffs as total layoffs. What have, who knows? But they were laying the groundwork. Um, today, a private payroll company, ADP, uh, previewed what we're about to experience. Private payrolls, in their estimation, over the course of January, declined, fell by 300,000 jobs, when the Dow Jones estimate was a growth, growing by 200,000 jobs. Uh, so roughly half a million jobs in the hole in this month. Now White House says, yeah, it's going to rebound in February. By March, everything rebounds. Back to private or back to uh, you know positive growth. Nobody's going to remember this. No, they would. They will. They will remember it. Um, this is a lost month for this administration. It contributes to an e a sense of economic anxiety they neither understand nor want to understand. In fact, they're trying to argue people out of their sense of economic anxiety by citing a bunch of macro statistics that you're supposed to internalize and somehow make you feel better about your own economic conditions. Uh, it's only going to contribute to this administration's woes, whether it's artificial or not, whether it rebounds or not, it likely deepens the sense of malaise that is overtaking the American political outlook. Okay, so your Groundhog Day prediction is more winter for Biden, right? That was Punxsutawney Phil's <laughs> prediction as well. So at least Bill de Blasio can't kill the groundhog this year. I mean, that is that is true. Positive. You know, you know, it's no, funny another because one died oh, somewhere yeah. else. Oh, did it? Yeah, New yes, Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why is there another one? Let Punxsutawney. There's a ridiculous let, amount of uh, groundhogs all across yeah. the country. What's all bizarre is it's all the same shtick, right? It's a guy in a top hat with a morning coat. Like, let the town, let Punxsutawney have its own thing. Like, we don't have 10 Cooperstowns. You know, there aren't baseball Hall of Fames everywhere. Let let there be Punxsutawney and only Punxsutawney. Like, you know, what is this fake Punxsutawney stuff? Not to mention, we've all seen Punxsutawney 10 million times from watching Groundhog Day 10 million times. I want to make another point about Noah's about the about the unbearable you know bleakness of being uh, of being the Biden administration another headline yesterday last night Joe uh, Joe Manchin says build back better is dead again 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 like every two weeks every two weeks they're going to be floating something about how Joe Manchin's in the catbird seed he could really they're going to bring out the this and he really it supports a tax credit for renewable energy and dead referring to build back better as generalissimo francisco franco <laughs> still dead every other yeah. week yeah check back yeah but it's well, also have, like uh, but it, yeah. there's a guy dressed up as a bill like dancing outside what when he that was actually the other thing is that they had this little group that was like trying to get the build back better and this happy smiling bill dancing and then they cut to joe manager who's like it's dead <laughs> i mean funny. what are they just gonna i mean not only is it mostly dead, it's like, wh why are they doing this? I mean, I, I don't I hesitate to go with the ultimate of cliches here, which is Lucy and the football. 
I mean, I, I, Mansion is not doing this with Lucy just to test. You know, Ma- Lucy is just testing Charlie Brown's, you know, credulousness and optimism or whatever that she puts the football down. He runs up to kick it and she pulls it away and he falls down. Right. Mansion is saying it's dead because I don't support it. Oh, and here's the other thing. And we should end on this. Um, terrible news. Absolutely terrible news. Senator Ben Ray Lujan of New Mexico, Democrat of New Mexico, had a stroke last night, 49 years old. He had a stroke. We don't know anything about it yet. Um, but th- this could be. Well, they say he's going to recover and fully recover and be fine. Who knows? But that's what they say. God right. And, 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 and such a thing happened. I think you remember uh, Mark, Mark Kirk, uh, Republican senator from 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 illinois had a had a terrible stroke and actually did manage to get back but it, it, there was a lot of rehab and stuff and uh let us hope that he makes a full recovery but and 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 very quickly and that it's not a serious event it's more like a tia or something like that um but uh you know this this now makes conditional a lot of stuff that is going on in the senate uh because that's that that reduces until he's back that reduces the number of Democratic votes to 49. To her credit, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez predicted this very thing in June of last year. Why are Democrats racing against time, projecting the impression that they're all terrified that they don't have enough time to do the things they want to do? And they know that their time is short, so they got to scramble because we need to move now, she said, because there could one of us could die. 50-50 Senate Democrats could lose one of their older members to nature. And that's that. Right. So thankfully, you know, Ben Ray Lujan is is not going to die. And as I say, our, you know, your your deepest hope is that he will be back as soon as possible. But if he isn't, and you know, say it's six weeks, Say it's two. Say it's not a TIA, and it takes six weeks, or he needs rehab, or whatever, or two months, or something like that. I mean, a controversial nomination goes down. You know, uh, something that a judgeship uh, judges aren't confirmed. You know, a, a, a various elements of 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 the workaday Senate that are that benefit from the fifty vote threshold are now now come into play. Biden, whatever Biden needed, this this he didn't need. Again, I don't want to, you know, make turn a, a, a you know a health tragedy into a, a political fact, but you know it is, you know, a, a, of these contingencies, are history made? History is contingent, and weird things happen because of history. You know, the, the Nino Scalia, you know, dies on a hunting trip, and you know uh, the political consequences of that have reverberated now for six years. Um, you know, in the, in the wake of, of his death. So history is contingent. This is a contingent moment. Something has happened that could alter it without, you know, um, totally without any, anything but happenstance being the cause. One of the reasons why life is interesting and why, you know, and then why you have to keep your eye on what's important and not just on, on, you know, just imagine that you can sort of pre-plan the future. And the only thing that we can pre-plan here is that we will be back tomorrow. So we will be back tomorrow for Abe, Christina, Noam, John Pod Horitz. Keep the candle burning.